manna being a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. We look first of all in Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16. There will be a, a lengthier reading to remind us of the origin of the manna. Remember the manna was sent from heaven and every morning the Israelites gathered uh, this bread from heaven and remember the, the day before the Sabbath the Lord gave them twice as much. The origin of this is just a very short time after they had left Egypt. For 40 years in the wilderness they ate manna that the Lord provided millions of people. So I'm going to commence in verse 12. I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. Speak unto them, saying, At evening ye shall eat flesh, and in the morning ye shall be filled with bread. And ye shall know that I am the Lord your God. And it came to pass that at even the quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay round about the host. And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna, for they wist not what it was. Manna, they're unsure, it may just simply mean, what is this? And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Gather of it every man according to his eating, and omer for every man according to the number of your persons. Take ye every man for them which are in, the t in his tents. And the children of Israel did so, and gathered some more, some less. And when they did meet it with an omer, he that gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. And Moses said, let no man leave of it till the morning. And you can anticipate the next verse, can't we? Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto Moses, but some of them left of it until the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was wroth with them. And they gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating. And when the sun waxed hot, it melted. And it came to pass that on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread two omers for one man, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. So here's where the congregation knew more than the leadership. And he said unto them, This is that which the Lord hath said, Tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which ye will bake today, and seed that ye will seed. And that which remaineth over, lay up for you, for you to be kept until the morning. And they laid it up till morning as Moses bade, and it did not stink, neither was there any worm therein. And Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath unto the Lord. Today ye shall not find it in the field. Six days ye shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, in it there shall be none. And you can anticipate the next verse. And it came to pass... How contrary we can be, can't we? 
that there went out some of the people on the seventh day for to gather, and they found none. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long refuse ye to keep my commandments and my laws? Now people might say, well, Moses wasn't responsible for that, but he was the leader. And it was a challenge to Moses to, to uh, teach the people appropriately and, and to be a good example to them. See, for that the Lord hath given you the Sabbath, therefore he giveth you on the sixth day the bread of two days. Abide ye every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. And the house of Israel called the name thereof manna. And it was like coriander seed, white. And the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. And Moses said, This is the thing which the Lord commanded. Fill an omer of it to be kept for your generations, that they may see the bread wherewith I have fed you in the wilderness when I brought you forth from the land of Egypt. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a pot and put an omer full of manna therein and lay it up for your, for the, before the Lord to be kept for your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. And the children of Israel did eat manna forty years until they came to a land inhabited. They did eat manna until they, they came unto the borders of the land of Cana, Canaan. Now an omer was a tenth part of an ephah. And now turn a couple books over to Numbers. So Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11. going to commence at verse 4. Numbers 11, verse 4. And the mixed multitude, this is about a year or so later than Exodus 16. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a-lusting, and the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt Freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away. There's nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. And the manna was as coriander seed, and the color thereof is the color of bdellium. And the people went about and gathered it and ground it in mills or beat it in a mortar and baked it in pans and made and the taste of it was as the taste of fresh oil. And when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell upon it. When Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly, Moses also was displeased. I'll end our reading there and trust that the Lord will again bless public reading of his word to our hearts. Jesus is called the living bread that's come down from heaven. Manna was God's miracle bread that came down from heaven. And there's a picture there in the Old Testament as we read in John's Gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I read the two passages the main passages about manna in Exodus and in Numbers. In Exodus, we have its origin. 
it's described as the people are enjoying it for the first time. They're resting, for instance, on the Lord's Day after a couple months in the wilderness. You can see Exodus chapter 19, verse 1. They've been a couple months in the wilderness, and now God provides them with this food that tastes like honey, very sweet. And so the people are very content. Um, they didn't have to labor for it. It all fell day by day for their enjoyment. But you see in the second main passage about the manna, it's now been over a year in the wilderness. And so we're now not talking about its origin, but they've not, it's now been continuing to be sent by the Lord. But now they're complaining about the manna. And so Exodus 16 explains the blessing of God upon the people in the wilderness. But Numbers 11 is rebuking their murmuring. And notice that after they murmured, Numbers 11, is when he describes the manna the way he does. And so what's really happening is that God is saying there's no cause for their complaint. Notice again, they complain, verses 4 and 5, they wept and said, who's going to give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish. Remember there, was, there, was, uh, there were rivers in Egypt and, and ponds and lakes. And they had very lush uh, ground. They had plenty of salad and plenty of fruit. They had cucumbers and leeks, onions and garlic, and they had melons and probably other kinds of fruit. And they complained, hey, there's nothing at all besides this manna. So they're, they're saying that the manna is insubstantial. But notice, then Moses describes the manna in a way that says they had no cause for complaining. As if he's saying... Uh, there are 365 ways in, of preparing manna. It's such a, a, a versatile food. And it's a food that tastes very sweet to the people of God. And so how patient is the Lord to describe the fact and, and to rebuke us when we complain and to show us that we have no cause for complaint. And there's a parallel here. Jesus Christ is the way of salvation. And day after day after week after week and month after month and year after year, we're spiritually drinking and eating the Lord Jesus Christ, the truth about the Savior. And does the point come where we're saying we want something else? There's nothing being brought from the pulpit save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And the Lord when we complain that we want something new, again shows us the loveliness of Christ, that he's altogether lovely, he's the chiefest of 10,000 to our souls, that we have no cause for complaint. Jesus is the bread of life. He continues to sustain us day after day after day, being in union with him. John's Gospel makes it clear that manna pictured Jesus. 
John 6.32, we all read, remember, in John's Gospel earlier, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, that is, it only pictured the Lord Jesus Christ. It was not Christ. Just like the sacrifices pictured the Lamb of God, they were not the Lamb of God. He said, I am the one that's pictured by the manna. I am the bread of life, verse 35. I am the bread that really satisfies you. I'm the reality of the manna that satisfied their physical well-being. I am the one who satisfies your soul. And so Jesus is saying, man's soul is hungry. And are we complaining, will God provide manna for our souls? Will God provide a table in the wilderness for you and me? How people are seeking to find their satisfaction in other places, other tables, other delicacies, and they miss that which supplies the need of their souls if they, if they reject and neglect the Lord Jesus Christ. I would just like us to think about some parallels of manna and Christ. And trust that we'll see that Jesus is uh, the living bread and he is the fulfillment of the truth of manna for our souls. Well, first of all, Jesus is the promised bread. God promised his people the manna. Exodus 16, it says, in the morning you shall be filled with bread. He promised this bread before it came. And Jesus says, John 6, 32, my father giveth you the true bread. And the scripture indicates that the Father, verse 44, sent Christ. Jesus is the promised Savior to our spiritual hunger. We were the ones that became hungry when God made us perfect in Adam. We are the ones that created our sinful rejection of paradise and the plenty that God provided there. Jesus is prophesied throughout scriptures to be the one that would come to satisfy the, the souls of his people, to take care of our sins and to give us righteousness. John 6, 45 says, It is written the prophets in the prophets, and they shall be all taught or fed of God is the idea. And that's a quotation from Isaiah 54, 13. Great shall be the peace of thy children. When the Lord Jesus Christ comes to satisfy our souls, he gives us peace. That's not just the cessation of, of hostility, but it's the, it's the presence of, of, of tranquility to our souls. And Jesus was prophesied over and over and over again, God is going to send us bread. He's the promised bread, just like manna was the promised provision in the wilderness. Secondly, manna was miracle bread. Jesus is the miracle bread. Behold, upon the face of the wilderness, it says in Exodus 16, 14, it was a surprise to them as they, were, they woke up and behold, that's a word of, of, of startling. That's a word of, of revelation. They all looked out over the wilderness and all the wilderness was just full of manna. It was a miracle. The, the dew had fallen. 
And you talk about even how the Lord uh, doesn't let the, the manna just fall upon the dirt, as it were. He, he uh, gives a, a coat of, of moisture, and it fell upon the dew, as if they, it, fell, it fell upon a, a huge plate for the people to take from. But you know, seven times in John 6, it speaks of Christ coming from heaven. Seven times. That's not insignificant. Verse 32, from heaven. Verse 33, from heaven. Verse 38, I came down from heaven. Verse 42, from heaven. Verse 50, verse 51, down from heaven. Verse 58, from heaven. Seven times. He reminds us that he's a miracle. He's miracle bread. He's God manifest in the flesh. Isn't that amazing that God the Son became a man and he's now forever God and man. God and man in, in, in union. That's just miraculous. That's amazing. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Manna was bred from heaven. It was a miracle. When the Son rose, it whacked, it, it melted, and every day they went out at the break of day, right, and they saw the manna. In the wilderness, God fed millions of people every single day. That's just astonishing. Millions. Not talking of hundreds, but millions, perhaps even five, ten million people in the wilderness. And Jesus has come down. And Christ has fed millions of people. From the beginning of time to the end of time, there are millions and millions and millions of Christians who have, who have seen Christ and beheld the Lamb of God, beheld the manna in this wilderness and said, what a miracle that my sins could be forgiven that I could have a new heart and a hope, the hope of eternity, the hope of heaven, to be in God's paradise, all because Jesus came down from heaven, that God came down to become man, to feed our soul. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Jesus is the miracle bread. Let that sink in. It took a miracle for us to be saved. Miracles all around. A miracle for God to become man. A miracle for us to be forgiven. That Jesus would die on the cross for our sins. As we sang, the man of Calvary has won my heart for me. Jesus satisfied. Thirdly, Jesus is the free bread. It's, it's, they, had to, they paid no money for the bread. They didn't work for it. You notice that it was absolutely free. It was on the ground every day. They didn't have to dig for it. They didn't have to sow seeds. They, had, they didn't have to sweat at all. What, what's it take to go out and just scoop up as much man as you want? Is, 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 a, is a pound enough for you? Would you like two pounds? Would you like five pounds? Would you like a bushel? Whatever it takes for you and your family. And the case is that they didn't have any left over or, there, or none of them were, were uh, undernourished. 
It was free. Jesus says, well, it says in Exodus 16, 15, this is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. In other words, it's the gift of God. It's God's gift to his people. Romans 6.23 says that Jesus is the gift of of God that's eternal life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. It costs us nothing to be saved. Nothing. Man wants a piece of the pie. Man wants to contribute something. But Isaiah says, come ye, buy and eat. Buy without money. Take it, it's free. And yet people reject the free gift of God that they, might, they, they must contribute somehow, some way. Man always wants to contribute to his salvation. You ask, how can a person go to heaven? Well, live a good life. That's contributing, that's work. No, the Bible doesn't say uh, that we need to work our way to heaven. The Bible says Christ did the work, that we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and we'll be saved. It's free. The cost was God. God paid the price. God the Son had to pay the price and become a man. And he forever is now God and man. Isaiah 55, 2 thumbs up works righteousness today. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread? You waste your works, you waste your money, you waste your efforts because nothing can save us from our sins but the Lord Jesus Christ, the sacrifice for sinners, the Lamb of God. He's the free bread. He's free. He's free. We need to remind people salvation is free. Sing the hymn, free, free, free. Free is our salvation. It's the gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man would boast. If it was of works, we would boast. I said so many prayers, and I I attended so many services. I gave so much money. That's boasting. Where all of us come beggars. We're all beggars. And the Lord is offering us beggars bread. And so an illustration of our salvation is I was a beggar and God gave me bread to eat. And I'm just a a beggar who's found bread trying to help other beggars to find bread. That's it. That's, That's the job of the Christian. To help other beggars like we were to find bread. And we know the only bread is the Lord Jesus. Over and over again, I am the bread. I am the bread. I am the bread. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Oh, don't spend your substance on that which cannot satisfy. He is the living bread. No costs. Come by without money. Come by and eat, Isaiah said. Jesus is the free bread, like manna was free. But Jesus is the received bread. The manna didn't fall in front of the tents. They had to go out and get it. There's a, there's a message there. Jesus is the received bread. 
Exodus 16, take ye every man for them which are in his tents. Go out and got to take it. You got to go get it. In a sense, if there's any effort, it's what effort is that? To receive it. You just go out and take it. It's, it's already been provided. It's free. And the children of Israel did so and gathered some more and some less. To as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So it's not, you, you, it's not that you, that you uh, put your arms together and you, and you wait for it to happen. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Come, I will in no way cast you out. Well, friend, it's not just that we wait, but believe. Trust God. Call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says whoever shall call upon. That's not a work. That's God giving us us arms to lay hold of of the life raft, of the life ring. He gives us hands and arms, faith to trust in him. Is a straw a a a work to get the the liquid into our, our mouths? Faith is like a straw. It's not the straw that saves us and strengthens us and refreshes us. It's the liquid in the cup. But the straw brings the liquid to the mouth. Faith brings Christ to the soul. Believe on Christ. Take a straw. Believe on him. Take a straw and put it in the drink. And sip and and take the drink into your soul. Believe on Christ. He's offering himself to sinners. And we need to believe on him. So we cry, Lord, give me faith. Give me hands. Give me a straw. I I must have Christ. I'm thirsty. I've tried every other kind of drink. Every other kind of food. I've tried good works. I've tried wishful thinking. I've tried religions. I've tried praying as if praying itself is going to save me. I've tried doing good. I've tried uh, being a philanthropist. I've tried giving money. I've tried everything in my own power, and it, and it hasn't worked. And the Lord's saying, stop. Stop trying to do it on your own. Trust in me the salvation of your soul. Receive the bread. It's there for the taking. They didn't have to travel miles to get it. The Lord didn't put it in the mountains. He put it right there around the camp. They just had to walk out and get it. Jesus is not far away. He's near us. He's in this room here. Jesus' body's in heaven pleading at the right hand of God, but he's here this morning where the word is preached. He's offering himself to you who are lost, who are hungry, who are thirsty, who's thirsty. And just take Christ right now. Believe on him. Call upon him. Trust him. Ask him, Lord, save me. Give me a drink of eternal life. I need the bread. 
It's here. You don't have to go outside. Oh, you can find him calling upon him in your home, in your car, when you're taking a walk. But right now, we're under the hearing of the word. And right now, as it were, the manna is, has fallen on the ground. The manna is there to take. Jesus is here. He's here to receive as your Savior. Believe on him. Call upon him. Lord, forgive my sins. Save me forever. Make me your child. Open my mind and my heart to the truth. Dispel the darkness from me, Lord. Please give me a manna that satisfies my spiritual hunger. And yea, Jesus is the satisfying bread. They gathered every man according to his eating. Every man according to his eating twice. He's the life. To, he's life to the world. Not just to Israel, but all in the world, anyone in the world that, that desires Christ, he provides life. He that believeth on me has everlasting life. Some more, some less. And it's simply saying that, that where you are, Christ meets your, your, your soul's need. If you have a little bit of knowledge or a lot of knowledge about the Bible and you're lost, he's there to, 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 to satisfy your soul. You don't have to say, well, until I know so much, I can't believe. Or I've, know so, no, I, I've known so much, now I can't believe because I've, I've forsaken him by just simply growing in knowledge. No, Jesus is here to give you eternal life. And again, the Lord was rebuking their murmuring. Numbers chapter 11. Here they're murmuring about what they're missing in Egypt. We remember the fish and the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. Our soul is dried away. This man is insubstantial, basically. But notice now, the Lord comes back and says, no, how can you, how can you say that it's insubstantial? He describes the... the, the what, are we, what are we trying to say? He describes the sufficiency, the pleasantness of the, of the manna. It was as coriander seed. That's a, it was a, there was a spice in it. There was a combination. The color as the color of bedellium, maybe some white, as we read in Exodus, and maybe a whitish tan. It was, and bedellium was a precious jewel or a precious, precious metal back in Genesis. What it's saying is the preciousness of it as well as the color and it's, look at the versatility of, of, of the manna. And again, so many ways in which you could prepare it. You could just eat it as it is, ground it in mills or in a mortar dish. You could bake it. You could seethe it. You, you could prepare it any way you wanted. It was so versatile. And it says that they could make cakes of it. And the taste of it was as the taste of fresh oil. So you have the combination of honey and oil and spicy seeds. And who knows, just combination of flavors. As it were, they had donuts in the wilderness. They had pastry. It was as sweet as honey. But yet the way you prepared it, it, may not, it might be 
You could make it a little less sweet, maybe a little more sweet. It was just ideal. And it was just perfect on the palate and perfect for, you know, in the wilderness for your digestion. It wasn't harsh that maybe flesh would be in a, in a desert setting. And here they're saying, it's insufficient. They had no excuse. They're murmuring of sin. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread of life, again, verse 48. I give my life to the world. Eternal life, verse 54. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Jesus satisfies. That manna satisfied the people day after day after day after day. And Jesus is the daily bread. He's the daily bread. Moses said, leave none of it until the morning. They gathered it every morning. Exodus 16, 21. Matthew 6, we pray, give us this day our daily bread. Give us day by day. Isn't that not pointing to Christ? Not just our physical bread. Every day, we sing the hymn day by day and with each passing moment. I need thee every hour. Lord, I need thee every day. Yesterday's Bible reading is insufficient for today. Brother and sister, we need to read God's word day by day, pray and seek him. This is, this is a meal to us each Lord's day, but it doesn't just satisfy us for tomorrow. Jesus is our daily bread, as the manna was sufficient for the day, but they needed to get it again tomorrow. Jesus is our daily bread. And there is a thought, that on the sixth day, the Lord giveth you on the sixth day the bread of two days. Abide ye every man in his place as the people rested on the seventh or the Sabbath day. And Isn't it not a picture how the Lord is projecting into the future? Who's going to satisfy us in heaven forever? That one long Sabbath day in glory. Jesus is the bread of two days. Jesus is the bread of eternity. Forever and ever we will be satisfied by the knowledge of Christ, by the fellowship of Christ, by the salvation of Christ. We are satisfied. It's, he doesn't just satisfy for initial salvation and sanctification in this world, but glorification. Jesus is the bread of the glorified saints. They are around the throne saying, worthy is the Lamb. The saints in heaven are taking manna. Jesus is their substance. Jesus is their bread. Jesus is our manna forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Do you delight in Christ? He's the sweet bread. Manna, again, like coriander seed. And taste of it like honey and fresh oil, desert in the desert, and they were complaining. Jesus is called the apple tree in the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, his fruit, his fruit was sweet to my taste. He's altogether lovely, the chiefest of 10,000 to my soul. Peter calls the Lord precious. Unto you that believe, he is precious. He is 
the sweet bread, all the, the bitterness of sin. We all know the bitterness of cowardice, the bitterness of loss. But Jesus forgives our sins and sweetens our soul. All the sweetness of salvation. All the sweetness of the hope of eternal life. And yet we read that the manna became despised bread. But now our soul is dried away. There's nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. You can almost hear them say, manna, manna, manna. That's all we have is manna. Isn't that how often we, we complain? You know, there are, we're in the minority. There are places in the world, you know what they get morning, afternoon, and evening? And usually it's just morning and evening. Rice, 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 rice. That's it? Rice. And often they're so grateful that they have rice. Salvation is through Christ alone. And we preach and pray Christ alone. And Christ is preached over and over and over again. None but Christ can satisfy. And yet how people are longing for something else, something new. All we have is Christ. All you preach is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We want flesh. We remember what it's like in Egypt. Here they're saying, we remember the steak and the, and the salmon in Egypt. We had great salads and all kinds of fruit. But friends, and you can almost hear Moses and Aaron saying, but don't you remember, don't you remember the bondage and the bricks and the beatings? How grateful we should be for the blessing in the wilderness of this world. And it's true how often people have said, I never had the struggle like I have now that I'm a Christian. It's never been so hard than since I became a believer. It's true. Because the devil wasn't our enemy when we were in his family. When we were unbelieving and deceived. The devil was our father. But now that we became enemies of the devil, there's a mark on us. And it's, it's harder. It's hard to be a Christian. Yes, it's temptation after temptation, struggle after struggle, battle after battle. But it's in Christ's kingdom. It's only a little while that we're going to have to put on the whole armor of God. It's only a little while longer that we're going to be facing and enduring temptation. It's just a little bit longer. You know, they were only 11 days from Egypt to the promised land. 11 days. And they gave it up. Didn't trust God. And 40 years they had to go through the wilderness. Very close, very close to eternity. Some, someone maybe in this room will be in eternity in by the end of 2023 or next year, 24. But Jesus is coming. The time is short. Don't loathe the honey. Don't loathe the fresh oil. Don't loathe the manna. 
oh, God is going to give us cucumbers. He's going to give us melons. He's going to give us the garlic. He's going to give us meat. He's going to give us fish. Be content with what the Lord gives us today. Don't despise and reject Christ. Ecclesiastes is an interesting verse that applies, doesn't it? Say not thou, what is the cause that the former days were better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this as if, again, it was better before Christ. Yes, Christianity is hard, but Christlessness is harder. We're only enduring three score years and ten we're only enduring like a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. But Christlessness and Christless eternity is forever and ever and ever. Oh, as it were, people say, oh, for the manna, just the manna. Never mind the cucumbers and the melons and the steak and the fish. Would you just give me a drop of water? Just one flake of manna. Jesus is the despised bread. But all oh, that he would be admired and received. Admire and receive him. And I close with Jesus' fresh bread. The Lord had the, was teaching him freshness. They needed fresh bread every day. Numbers 11, 9, And when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell upon it. Labor not for the meat that perishes, but that which endures to life eternal. I am the living bread. I'm fresh every day. Isn't it, isn't it amazing? Our souls can feel dry and weak and sinful, and we plead the blood. We say, Lord, I'm weak. Strengthen me. I'm sinful. Forgive me. I'm afraid. Comfort me. I'm humiliated, Lord. Will you bless me? And the Lord comes freshly to the soul. I live by the Father. So he that eateth me shall live forever. Oh, Jesus does not cause our soul to wither and dry away. He's the manna that revives our soul. He's right before our eyes. Like they said, there's nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. Before our eyes is Jesus. He's honey. He's the coriander seed. He's the bedellion. He's the fresh oil. He satisfies our souls. He's our fresh bread today. Nothing like smelling fresh baked bread. Don't you love the smell of fresh baked bread? Or, or boiled foods that you enjoy, or just raw foods. Just this bread just was so versatile. Oh, every bit, Jesus. We think about his attributes. We think about his works. We think about his words. All these are, as it were, ways in which we prepare the bread. Christ is prepared, as it were. We prepare messages. We preach Christ. We preach that he loves. We preach that he hates sin. We preach that he died on the cross, that he rose from the dead, that he ascended to heaven, that he's coming back again. 
We preach how he walked on the water, how he, he healed the, the, the sick and the lame. We prepare Christ, whether he seethed or baked. However Christ is preached, it is satisfaction to our soul. We should say, oh, how, I lo- how I'm so grateful. I loathe the flesh and the leeks and the cucumbers that are associated with Egypt. Oh, there is a pleasure of sin for a season. But it's only for a season. The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life do not satisfy the soul. Jesus is the fresh bread that satisfies the soul. The promised bread, the miracle bread, the free bread, the received bread, the satisfying bread, the daily bread, the bread that's forever, the sweet bread, the despised bread, but the fresh bread that satisfies our soul. Jesus is our manna. Take him. He's near. He's right here to receive by faith. Not by sight, but by faith. Receive Christ into your heart, even now. Even now. Lord Jesus, thank you. You satisfy the hungry soul and still satisfy our soul. How often we're dry. world is a place where our souls are dried up. We can't find satisfaction there. Lord, how often we're like those that feel like we should go away. Like Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. We've tried the broken cistern of this world. Lord, you are are the the well of, of eternal life. You are our spiritual drink and our spiritual Food, our manna from heaven. Oh, please work. Cause each one in this room to take Christ, to, to cause our, our soul's hunger and thirst to be satisfied by the truth and the work and the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, God, come, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. turning together to number 443 from our blue hymnal, 443. Now none but Christ is satisfied, none other name for me.